0: So welcome back to our Sermon Expanded little podcast that we do to try and encourage you to think about some of the things that we've been talking about to try and help you work through some of the questions maybe that you have around them or maybe if it's even just forms part of what you do during the week as you're driving or as you're going to work or coming home or in those spare moments you maybe don't have a devotion time that you use you maybe don't have passages that you the Bible that you go to or books so maybe this is what you use for that and so apologies it hasn't been around for a while Maybe you just are intrigued by it. So apologies, it hasn't been about. It's been busy. I've been very distracted. And so this is the only chance I'm getting to come back to it. We had been going through all the passages we were looking at in the book of Luke. Each Sunday leading up until Easter, we were looking through a different passage in that book, that gospel of Luke. And so we were looking at more in depth of each time we had this podcast. We were looking at a little bit more in depth at the particular passage we were looking at on the Sunday to try and think a bit more about it, to try and reflect or maybe look at different angles of it. And we're not going to do that today. We have moved on at Easter time from the book of Luke. And yes, Easter time was quite long ago. I know that. I'm sorry. But what I'm going to do today is just do a little overview of the book of Luke. What we've been doing these past number of Sundays in church, we've had various speakers. We've had our children's day. We have another guest speaker coming along this Sunday. So there won't be one every week. But over the summer, when we, when I get back into it, and when I get back into the, the routine and the habit of doing it all, then we'll look at some particular words that we talk about in the Christian faith, or the Bible talks about the the jargon that we use, that we assume everybody knows already what they mean. Whereas the likelihood is, like all words, we forget their real meaning. They become a word which sums up lots of other things, but we forget what they sum up. And so that's a little bit of what we'll be doing Next, but we've been looking through the Book of Luke. We had thirteen Sundays over the course of two thousand and eighteen at the start of the year, where we looked at different passages. I could rhyme them all off, but I'm not going to. But I wanted just to talk uh, for a few moments this morning to to reflect on some of them, to think about what we have, how we have tied them all together, to think about the journey that comes at the end of them. We didn't really do a, a kind of Easter message, and so we'll sum them all up in that. A lot of the passages were about this Jesus, about who he was, about the guidance that he gave, about the words that he taught us with, about the way that he asks us to live. And in a in a way, if you were to sum it up, describe the entire book of Luke to someone if they asked, or maybe if you were to sum it up, how would you do that? What words would you put in about this Jesus, about this man? The gospel is a gospel written about Jesus, Luke, says that at the very start of his passage. He says that it's a it's a book, it's a work, it's a piece of literature that he's put together to help this Theophilus. I'm just rapidly trying to get there. Many have undertaken to draw up, up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us by this man, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. And so, this book of Luke isn't just to be used to tell and to teach and to inform those people who don't know anything about Jesus. Theophilus has a certainty, he he has been taught things, he has been maybe brought up in this way, he has heard about this Jesus, he's heard his words, he's a follower of him, we can be sure of that. But Luke writes this orderly account, having researched carefully and investigated everything from the beginning so that Theophilus might know the certainty of the things he had been taught. Remembering that in this context in this culture there wasn't bibles there wasn't a, a personal book that you would take home and so a lot of what was handed down was this oral tradition that was what Jesus had been taught which was passed down through stories through parables all the things that Jesus did also were the ways in which he spoke were to help encourage that oral tradition to remain within people's hearts and minds of course there was papyrus and paper and there was paper that you not paper paper as we know it but there were methods of keeping information and storing it and so that you could go and see it and the Torah scrolls are an example of that and then the letters that we have in the new testament are come from that it was possible to get this stuff to write it down to put it onto parchment to put it onto a material so that people could remember it and read it But that wasn't something that commonly happened and there was no printing press. And so people didn't have individual Bibles that they were able to study. And so Luke forms this orderly account so that Theophilus might know the certainty of the things that he has been taught. Not sure we know much else about Theophilus. He might have asked Luke to do this for him. He might have been rich enough to pay for it all. But for some reason Luke decides to put this orderly account together for him. And he really doesn't somewhat up at the end if you go to the very end of the book of Luke it's not like he kind of says and there we have it's finished and there it's done and this is what I've taught you just finishes with Jesus taking them up says when he had taken them out Jesus had led them out the disciples in the vicinity of Bethany he lifted up his hands and blessed them while he was blessing them he left them and was taken up into heaven then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising God so the introduction to Luke is all that we get. It's this book, this orderly account, this investigation that Luke puts together for Theophilus of all that happens. And it's a book that it ends. It goes on in the the book of Acts. Then Luke does the same thing there. And we can read at the, the start of the book of Acts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen and so this is the kind of follow-up. This is the part two that he writes to Theophilus again, having um, de- researched diligently, having investigated and even being part of this story then in the book of Acts. It says that after he suffered, he showed himself to these men and women and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them he gave this command and so goes on. And so this book is about the church and what happens, these apostles that he has chosen after Jesus has gone. And so the two books hold together. They're not placed particularly well in the New Testament. They probably should be side by side but they are where they are. And so we look at that book of Luke as this detailed description. It's a bit of a manifesto of who Jesus was. It's not a manifesto going out to tell people who don't know him it's showing this Theophilus the certainty of what has been taught and certainty is something that we might all look for it's maybe something that we might strive to have certainly we'd like to to know exactly what's going on we'd like to know exactly what is happening and that is what Luke sets out to do for Theophilus This certainty is something that's obviously hugely important to them and hugely important to us in the society we see around us. People often like black and white. They don't like to be left not knowing. They like to know certainty of many things. And often we see that in the Christian faith when trials or tribulations come, when things don't go our way, when everything seems to pile up one on top of the other. We can wonder what the point of it all is. We, We need this certainty. We can wonder even then. We can doubt. We can worry. We can fear. We try to examine to find the loopholes, but there's a certainty that we require in those instances. And this is what Luke writes to Theophilus about, as that would be a kind of sum up of a lot of what it was about. This Well, that's a sum up that Luke gives at the start of his book. A lot of I said that during our passages that Robert Carras concluded that in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal or coming from a meal. Many of our passages weren't taken around meals, but Jesus was on his way to or from a meal. And that idea of meal was something important because Jesus was coming to show these people something different. He was coming to show them something other than what they knew. For them, a feast was something that you went to because God was in a certain place doing a certain thing. And you went and took your preparations your bits for the meal your sacrifices to this place to god and left it with him and the priests would then do it on your behalf whereas jesus seems to to turn that around and say well actually no i'm i'm coming to you i want to go to your house i want to eat with you and shows that this god is a god of abundance this god is a god who is seeking you who takes the initiative who wants to be with you and in this life with you and that was where the meal was that food wasn't just something about fuel, it wasn't just something that we eat to survive, although many of us simply do that. You, you don't really think about much about your food, you just simply eat it because that's what we're supposed to do. But in the Jewish circles of the times, these, there were these food laws telling you who you could eat with, how you could eat with them, why you couldn't eat with certain people. It, it was a symbolic idea of friendship, intimacy and unity. They didn't only symbolise cultural boundaries, but they created them. And so a central question to them was, who can I eat with? Who can I I sit down at the table with? And so when Jesus comes up against the Pharisees, many times in the stories that we looked through uh, and in all the Gospels, the problem wasn't this idea of what Jesus was standing for in terms of God and the kingdom of God and those things. Their objection was to the people that he was letting in. Their objection was to the people that jesus spent time with was saying we're part of the kingdom of god and so for jesus the feast and all that the kingdom of god stands for wasn't inclusive place but for the jews it was a very exclusive place it was something used for control it was something that they were able to power create power and control over people in the midst of and so that's something we see again and and again in the book of Luke. Something that struck me through it was the idea of persistence. One of the passages that had the most impact on me as we went through it was in Luke chapter 18 verses 1 to 8 which is about the persistent widow who comes to the judge seeking him to grant her her request and eventually he gives in purely because he says in it "Um, even though I don't fear God or care about men yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming and Jesus says well if God who is much more than this evil or wicked judge if he granted that request how much more will God that request for the people that he knows and loves and cares about and so in me and for me as I was reflecting and as I was thinking and as I was looking at that passage there was something about persistent how how persistent am I how persistent am I in desiring those things desiring justice desiring and pursuing peace and love and joy and mercy often I'll just kind of do something if it doesn't work i'll move on to the next thing or i'll pray and if it doesn't happen i'll just kind of forget about it and move on because the world in which we live in is so quick and the, the next thing will come up quickly but how often do we persist in that and for me that was something that that changed my attitude on many things and made me actually think well what what should i persist in what should i be seeking to do again and again and again and persevere in and in a sense helps me uncloud some of those things and stops me being so distracted and makes me think, right, well, let's let's find something to persist in and continually persist and persevere until we see it come. And so that was something that, that had impacted me for you. It might have been another passage that we looked at for you. If you're even reading through it now, it might be there might be something else that sticks out to you. All of it. see uh, See it from different angles, from different ways but what the main thing is within it, and the whole passage, is this idea that that God invites us to be part of something else, that Jesus was inviting us to be part of something else For Theophilus, he already knew lots of things, and you, maybe as you listen, already know lots of things about the Christian faith. Maybe you go to church every week, maybe you read and pray and do all those wonderful things, and so we can't say that we have sorted it out because Theophilus has written this, has this book written for him so that he might be certain of them. And in a sense, we all need that certainty, we all need that assurance often, we all need. To know that actually yeah in the midst of all that goes wrong in the midst of what we see there is a God who has a hand in this and who is inviting us to be part of it but what we see here and now and what we experience here and now in this world is only a foretaste of what shall come and that is what Jesus shows us he tells us on the one hand about all these things he tells us and teaches us and gives us those words but he also shows us by what he does it's not something he leaves to the side but he he puts the two together and, and shows us as he sits around the table with other people as, people as he invites others to be part of what he is creating as he brings them to a place where they feel part of the banquet and the kingdom of God here but that's only a foretaste of what shall be revealed in what is called the messianic banquet whenever we move to the next world whenever we see that great feast that god will have and our invitation through christ we can sit and it will be more and greater and better than anything we could have imagined in this place and i suppose the central part to that whole story and the central part of luke which he moves towards the whole way through is this cross and resurrection the crucifixion his death his resurrection the tomb is empty it's not just somebody who's like us, who's just slightly better than us. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just somebody who invited people that others didn't hang around with. And he just liked hanging out with the outcasts. He was something beyond this world. C.S. Lewis says that in all these events, and especially the cross and resurrection, Jesus was either a madman or he was the son of God. There's kind of no comparison Luke's put this together dealing with eyewitnesses, he's put this together carefully investigating it all and so we can rest assured that, that he is putting this not as a story but as something he has put time and effort into by the first eyewitnesses and there are other historical accounts and and events which support it. Of course there are others which will stand against it but in the Christian faith and in, as we look at this we believe that Luke put this effort in and it can be verified and can be historically verified. And so we believe that the tomb was empty. And so this Jesus isn't just another man. He is someone greater. He is the son of God. As Lewis gives us the option of being a crazy man. Who just happened to maybe be a good good salesman. And convince these young disciples that what he was doing was right. Or he truly was the son of God who came from heaven to show us. To invite us. To help us be part of it all. And then go leaving us to form our part here and now and essentially that's what then Luke goes into the book of Acts to do then showing the ways in which we have been given the Holy Spirit to receive power to be his witnesses to show the world who he is and what he has done and what we can be a part of and what we have already been invited to. And so that's all just an overview of what we looked at, the many different aspects of it, the many different ways in which we got to see or maybe learn something new about it all. Maybe because we have known it for a long time and it's brought us a sense of certainty, maybe it's reminded us of something or maybe it's that we've seen that we are actually part of and invited to something greater and something better than this world can ever see. And so hopefully you've enjoyed it we will move on again we're in those words and so i'll I'll keep updating and keep letting you know some of those as we go along so grace and peace